Good morning. Uh, my name is Narelle, and today we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. So if you've got a Bible or a phone or something, if you'd like to find that passage. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a new term and for all that we're going to be learning through your word and through the messages. Lord, we're so grateful that we can meet together in peace and we think of all our brothers and sisters who are unable to do so. Lord, we ask for your protection and love to pour out on them. Father, we're so thankful for our church and for our leaders and we're really excited to see how you're leading us this term. But Father, most of all, we thank you for your love for us. A love so deep that your son Jesus died for us so that we can have a close and intimate relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to be people who radiate your love and show others through our love for them what a gracious and forgiving God you are. Be with James now, Father, as he opens your word to us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So starting at verse 34... Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All right. Well, good morning again, everyone. It is, a, like I said, a pleasure to be here with you and a pleasure to be starting off the, the ministry year together as well. In lots of ways, this is a big Sunday for us because we are launching kind of officially and formally our new vision statement, uh, some mission statement, some other stuff uh, that we've been working hard to put together over the last year. We've, you know, Some of you would have seen it about the place in different ways and that sort of thing. Janet's going to get in a clip for me for my, my cord, which I really appreciate. So I'm just going to slip that on. Right. Why well, she give me a collection of colours? Uh, I'm going to go with the purple this it's morning. A really short Just, yeah, that is. Yeah, it was a short Bible verse. That's all right. So I'll clip this in here, and I won't theoretically be as distracted as I might be. There you go. I feel so much better. All right. So, uh, like I said, it's a big Sunday because we're unpacking our, our vision statement. Really want to explain what it's all about. But before we get into that, uh, I, I want to play a game with you guys. Love games. Always fun to start the new year. So, it's going to get. Uh, I'm going to start easy and, and get harder, okay? What I've got here is, is photos of, of celebrities, and, I, and I've blurred the image, okay? And you've got to try and guess from the blurred image who this celebrity is, okay? So like I said, we're going to start pretty easy, all right? Uh, put your hands up, okay? I'm going to put you on the spot, see if you're brave enough to take a shot at it, all that sort of stuff. Okay, so like I said, starting pretty easy, first one. Anyone? Hands up, hands up. Who wants to take a crack? Yep. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Well done. That's right. Uh, I thought about putting Miley up there, but you know what? She's getting enough attention already. We'll go with Bruno, okay? If you know, you know. All right. Uh, next one. There's Bruno, okay? Uh, okay, still, I think... Okay, I said hands up, Rachel, but yes. Okay, that came from a deep teenage place in Rachel's heart just then. Like, that, it just overflowed. Phrase, you can talk about it later, bro. It's okay. Um, that's cool. All right, yes, that, that is Beaver, okay? 
uh, I, I think this is you know, starting to get, you know, could, could go a few different ways, but I still think you know, it's doable. Just, it's not Donald Trump. Thank you, Phrase. Yep. Anyone, anyone want to take a stab at this one? Look at the face shape. I feel like that's the... It is not Nicole Kidman. Younger. Selena Gomez. Rachel's on fire. All right. Okay, cool. And I think that this the next one's hard because with the blurred image, it looks very genetic teenage heartthrob. G- generic. Generic teenage heartthrob. Anyone want to take a guess here? Oh, it, it, yeah. Herman? Who? Styles was my guess as well. So there's no shame. I guessed Styles on the internet when I found this picture. It's not Harry. Okay. The fashion choice is a little too tame for Harry, I think. Yep. It is Sean Mendes. Well done, Janet. Good job. All right, round of applause for everyone. Good job. Okay. Now, why, why, why do I, I kick off our series looking at vision and values and all this sort of stuff with blurred images? It's because vision and having a clear vision of what we're aiming for is really important. Without a vision, you can still do some stuff. All right? You guys could still see that they were humanoid figures. All right? Some of you could even sort of put the pieces together of what that image was meant to be. But what we really need, if we're going to be effective in working together and as serving the Lord together as a community, is clarity about our vision. We want to see clearly you know, what we're aiming for. Not so much to be beebs, but to actually understand what it is that we are about. So uh, Craig Hamilton, uh, who's written a couple of books on leadership in a Christian context, uh, says it this way. The reason mission, vision, and strategy matter is because they help you provide clarity. And clarity is what everyone wants and needs. We want to know what it is that we're meant to be working on. We want to know what it is we're meant to be aiming for. And so this series is giving us as a church community clarity on a few different things. Our vision gives us clarity on what we want to be. Our mission gives us clarity on what we are all about. Our values give clarity about the core beliefs that our vision and mission are built on. And our culture descriptors give us clarity about the patterns of behavior we emphasize as we seek to achieve our vision and mission. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to be working through each of these. It's okay, the font there is is a little bit small. We're going to be unpacking these in much bigger detail. But I'll I'll read them for you now uh, as they, to see you can see the big picture of how it all sits together. So our vision is to be an ever-growing community who loves the Lord and each other. Our mission is to make Christ-like disciples in southeast Brisbane and beyond. We want to live this out in a culture that is intentional, authentic, welcoming, encouraging, and grace-filled. And this is built on our foundational values of being biblical, Christ-centered, and loving. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about this over the coming weeks so that we have clarity on each of these things, because we're going to see that it's really important for us as a community to have shared understanding on this stuff. And today, we're really looking hard at vision and unpacking what this statement means. We're going to do it in three parts. We're going to look at ever-growing, we're going to look at community, and then we're going to think about loving the Lord and other. Okay, so first up, ever-growing. Why do we want to be ever-growing? Well, when we talk about growth, it's first good to establish that we mean two different types of growth. We want to be growing, have, have a growth in number, and we want to have growth in maturity, and both of these are grounded in the scriptures as something that the church is meant to be concerned about. So after the preaching of the very first sermon at the day of Pentecost, when Peter had explained to the Jewish people what they had done in crucifying Jesus, 
that he was the Messiah, the one sent from God, the anointed one, and that they had killed him and not recognized him for who he was, the people cut to the heart, say, what are we to do? And Peter replied to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then a little lower down, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is important because it shows how the proclamation of the gospel resulted in people responding to it, but it was also important for us because we can see that the Bible records a number here. Why a number is important? It's because numbers represent people. When we talk about growing in number, it's not for the sake of stats. It's not for the sake of, the sake of having a, a bigger crowd here on the Sunday. It's because when we talk about growing in numbers, we're talking about growing in people who believe in Jesus and are being rescued from a path that leads to death and destruction to now finding the narrow path in Jesus that leads to life. We care about numbers because the Lord does, because the Lord cares about people. Again, it says just a little bit further down. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We want to grow and increase in size because that's what the gospel is meant to do. It's meant to be something that attracts a response from people as they hear the word of God preached and they respond to the Lord Jesus and God adds to their number. And you actually, when you start to dig back into the scriptures, you see that Jesus was prepping his people for this through his teaching even before his death and resurrection. So in Mark chapter 4, right after he talks about the parable of the sower and the different types of of seed that get thrown out and the different responses they have, the seed is the word of God, he then tells this little parable. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And as soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. As the word of God is sown, the seed grows. It might take some time. There's a development process. It works through different stages, but a harvest comes as it grows. He then goes on. The very next verse says, Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade." Jesus is setting the expectation that as he preaches, the kingdom of God is near, and now that the kingdom of God has come, that as the word of God is preached, the kingdom of God is going to grow. That is the expectation that we are meant to have. There may very well be seasons where growth is small, or where even things where where, where we have to take a step back, or we have to evaluate, all sorts of different things. When we say ever-growing, we don't mean literally every single day, every season necessarily. But there is no doubt that our expectation should be that as we proclaim the word of God faithfully, that we are going to grow because we're part of the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus taught us would happen. But importantly, we need to understand that this is a growth that God brings. 
We are tools in his hand. We are his instruments for this growth. But make no mistake, when we say that we want to be ever-growing, this is an act of faith that we put in God because he is the one that brings the growth. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. The way that we proclaim the word the way that we sow into the field is our act of service to God. We have this one purpose to serve the Lord together. And as we do that, he brings growth. This is a principle. This is, this is kind of like the wisdom literature. It's like when you read the book of Proverbs and, it, and it's, you know, it's got all these principles for living and all that sort of stuff. They're not rules. They're not a guarantee in the sense of this will be applicable all the time. But there is something like, it's a truism. It's a, it's a generally true sort of thing. There might be seasons where a church doesn't grow. There might be all sorts of things that can happen. You, you, we think about uh, that, that church just the other week uh, on the north, north side that had that horrible fire and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it, maybe they're going to grow through this season. M- maybe not. We don't know. In God's sovereign plan, what's happening there This isn't to say that things are always going to look bright and rosy, but there is a truism here that we trust that as we proclaim God's word, it's going to bring growth. And what's fascinating is even with that that church on the north side, I don't know if you've seen the news reports, but that church is well loved by its community. They they, they have been showing love and and the the outpouring of grace from from the non-Christians around them has been amazing. It wouldn't surprise me at all that even if in that they grow. But but this is the principle we want to understand. We want to seek to be ever-growing because this is the principle that Scripture gives to us for God's kingdom. So we want to to grow in number. But the other growth that we want to have is maturity. This is from Ephesians 4. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, different offices, different roles in the church, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a sense here, again, where God's people, even as they come to be added to to be part of the kingdom, that we then grow and mature together, not so much in number, but in depth of understanding, in knowledge of God's people, in unity together. And when we talk about maturity here, the idea here is not just old age. It's not you know, mature age sort of stuff. It's a sense of reaching the fullness of your potential, re- reaching the desired end. Okay, the Greek word that sort of sits behind it is this Greek word telos. You know, when we talk about teleology, we're talking about the study of purpose for a thing or the end of a thing. And so when we talk here about maturity, growing together in maturity, it's growing towards the desired end that God has for us. In fact, it's a really interesting thing. In Scripture, the language that we see used in the New Testament to describe Christians is not that there are good Christians and bad Christians, but there are either immature or mature Christians. See, the the gospel says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. We're all on a basic sort of level bad, but when we become 
part of God's people, we're saved by God's grace. He does not treat us according to our sins deserve. We're all righteous before him, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. And so in Christ, it's not so much whether we have good or bad Christians, but rather in that grace of God, are we immature or mature? And we see it in a couple of places in Scripture. Again, from 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants. Immature. Infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. There's this sense that they're in Christ. Paul's not questioning their salvation that's given to them as a gift from God, but they're still immature. He's just giving them the basics. So, you know, he then explained also that the author of the Hebrews gives us a picture of what milk might look like. So this is what he writes in Hebrews 5. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you all the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, again, that immature idea, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. See, there's this sense in which, as immature Christians, you you need to learn the basics. You need to understand the significance of the resurrection. You need to understand how we're cleansed from our sins. You need to know what repentance is. But this is like the the basic level stuff. That's not where we are meant to stay. We need to press on. And what, what does maturity look like here in this context of Hebrews? Well, he says there, the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's not just about understanding the truth about our salvation and our sin And these sorts of things, it's learning to walk in the righteousness of God more and more. That's how he ends chapter 5. That if you're on milk, being an infant, you're not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. There's a sense that we are, as a congregation, meant to grow in number, yes, but we're also meant to grow in maturity. Another word the Bible used for this is our sanctification. We become more holy over time. We want to grow not just in our knowledge of God and understanding about what the Bible teaches, but also press on towards maturity so that we understand how to live in a way that honors God. That that we grow in our understanding so that we can know right from wrong, good from evil, and choose right again and again. So that's what it means for us to be ever-growing. Next up, we want to be an ever-growing community. An ever-growing community. Community is an interesting word. I, I'm not sure if many of us would, you know, we, we probably have a picture of it. You know, when we think community, we think a group of people together. That they, they, There's a sense in which they, they, they form a whole. And, we, you know, we, we might think of it in terms of a, a suburb or a city or a locality or something like that. But originally, there was a slightly different sense to the word. It comes from two Latin words, uh, communis. Sorry, oh, sorry, the Latin original word is communis, which is from con, which means with or together, and munis, which actually means service. So when we put that together, the the word community, it has this idea of common service. What what joins us together is the common service that we make together. 
And this really fits with the picture that we see in Scripture of what the church is meant to be, what the body of Christ is meant to be. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. There's diversity, there's different things, there's different people, there's different members. As we're going to see, there are different gifts, but it's all coming from the same God, and it's all to serve the same Lord. So a little bit further down in that same passage, Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether the Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, and so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. All right? We're not just one, and this is important. When we talk about being a community, and I was going to see in a second this idea of common service, we're not talking about the idea of uniformity. We're not talking about the idea of us all being the same. We're not talking about some sort of cookie-cutter living church member thing, right? There are shared elements to what we do, most importantly, the shared fellowship that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's diversity in all of us. This place, Living Church, is a community where we have a common service, a common goal that we work towards, but we have lots of different ways of contributing to that, and it's going to look differently for all of us. So in Romans, Paul writes, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. This is vital for us to understand because while we have a common service that we give towards the Lord, while we seek to serve him together, we all have different parts to play. Some of them are going to be up front. Music team, Bible reading, leading at youth, being a kids' church, teacher, whatever the case may be. Some of them are going to look like that. Some of them are going to be behind the scenes, doing all the sorts of things that keep this place ticking over, making sure that the ministries have everything that they need in order for people to be able to proclaim the word faithfully. What gets proclaimed from up here is only equal importance to the conversations that you guys have with one another and the encouragement that you offer to each other. We've got growth group leaders that serve faithfully week in, week out. We've got people that come in and clean the building during the week. We've got people that do finances. We've, we've got people that help with administration. We've got people who help with planning. We've got people who help with transportation. Right? You might be the parent of a youth that is just flat out in your job and can't do anything else, but you can bus kids to youth group every week because you're bringing your own kid anyway, and you just look for ways to, to, to involve others also. There's this sense in which each and every single one of us have this purpose. This is not something where we come in and you guys just passively engage with whatever we deliver to you up front. No, we are all together in common service, all with different gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. You can talk to me about what that means later. Um, I understand it. The rest of Christendom is confused, but I've got it. Um, in accordance with your faith, if it is serving, then serve it. If it is teaching, then teach if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is not an exhaustive list. 
There's all sorts of gifts out here, and, and it doesn't mean that we all use them all the time. You guys don't know this, but I have the incredible gift of singing. It's, a, it's the voice of an angel, but I, I hold back for the sake of... That's not true. Um, but this thing. You might, you might have gifts that you don't get to use to the full all the time, but nevertheless, we all stand ready to use the gifts that we've been given in order that we might serve the Lord as part of our common service together, a community that works together with the same spirit to serve the one Lord. So we seek to be ever-growing, both in number and in maturity. We're a community in the sense that we have a diversity of people, but we offer a common service to God as we work together with different functions. And then the last part of this is, is loving the Lord and each other. I'm sure many of you could probably take a, a pretty good guess where this comes from in Scripture. We, we heard it in the Bible reading earlier. Remember, Jesus has been having this sort of awesome back and forth with Pharisees and, and Sadducees and other religious experts here in, in Matthew 22. And then one of them comes to him after he'd silenced the Sadducees and they want to test him in the law. And so they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There is a sense in which the entire Law, and you sort of see this in different parts of Scripture. You know, Jesus here says that all the law and the prophets hang off these two commandments. Elsewhere, Paul talks about how the whole law is summed up in the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. There's something where all the 613 commands given in the Mosaic Covenant could be boiled down to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love each other. There's a vertical element to it, okay, and the, the, the love that we have for the Lord but also a horizontal element to it in the love that we have for each other. And both of these things are vital for us. So let's look at the vertical first. Way back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, when the, the law was given, and Moses was declaring it to the people. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. The reason that despite the fact that Jesus clearly is echoing these words, and this is very similar to what he says in the New Testament, the reason to go back is, is that we can see here that we get a picture of what loving the Lord looks like, and it looks like obedience to him. All right, we see it again in the book of Joshua, when, when Joshua repeats these words as the people of God are about to go into the promised land. He says, but be very careful to keep the commandments that the law, and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. There's a sense here in which the entirety of our beings are meant to be dedicated towards loving the Lord our God, which we express in our obedience to him. Now, interestingly... Through our series in John, John's really been pushing us to think hard about what it is to obey the Lord Jesus. What, what is the, the, the big shining command that Jesus gives to us? What, what does it look like to obey Jesus in the Gospel of John? You guys remember? 
I'm not going to be discouraged by preaching this for an entire year and you haven't quite got it yet. It's fine. It's believe in him. Our obedience to Christ now that he has come is expressed first and foremost in our faith in him. And then interestingly enough, in the horizontal that he then gives to us to love each other. So again, we've got this idea of that, you know, in everything do to others what you would have to do to them, sums up the law and the prophets. Those are Jesus' words. But what is the command that Jesus gives to us now in the New Testament? He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our love for the Lord with our heart, mind, soul, and strength looks like obedience to him, which means believing and trusting in him in all things. When we talk about being an ever-growing community who loves the Lord and each other, that starts with us being an ever-growing community that trusts and believes in the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That is fundamental for us. And then in obedience to him, that also gets expressed as our love for each other. That Jesus points to himself and says, love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? By going to the cross and dying for us, by sacrificing himself for us. I don't want to get too far into this here because in a few weeks we're going to unpack our value of being loving. We're going to spend a whole sermon looking at what it means for us to be loving, why we value that, why it's so important. So I'm not going to go too deep into this right now, but we need to understand that fundamentally in our community, we seek to be lovers of the Lord, obedient to him, trusting in him, faith in him. And we express that in our love for one another in obedience to Jesus, sacrificially giving to each other, just as he has given to us. And and this is vital to understand because Scripture is actually pretty heavy on this one. Like, Anyone who, who is saying, oh, I love the Lord, but I don't love one another, like it, it, it gets firm. This is how John Wright said in his first letter. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Forever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Friends, like I said, we're going to spend a whole bunch of time uh, on on many warm and fuzzy ideas that will round this out. But but we have to, to grasp this, I think, on a really fundamental, basic level. Loving God... Believing in him and trusting in him necessarily leads to us having love for one another. And a love which has a specific character, which is loving one another the way that the Lord has loved us. Jesus loved us to the point of giving up his life in order that we might be reconciled to him. If you're visiting here with us, I feel a little bit awkward because it it's getting a little heavy and this is sort of, you know, a pastor talking to his, his flock here. But guys, I, I've been here a year. And in that time, I've heard lots of stories. 
And to be honest, I, I, know, I, I know enough to know that there's, there's some stuff out there to deal with. That if we're really going to push forward in what it looks like to love each other well in faithful obedience to Jesus, it's going to mean some work. It's going to mean forgiveness. It's going to mean reconciliation. It's going to mean repentance. It's going to mean saying, you know, I just need to let you know, I've actually been really hurt for a long time because of this. Or, you know what, I I know that I hurt you and I've never really said sorry and I, I truly am. It doesn't mean that in one conversation that everything's going to be right and rosy and all that sort of stuff. But it does mean that if we are going to truly follow Jesus' example in this, we can't just be a people that just have these issues and then skirt and avoid and never really deal properly with stuff. We have to be a people who's willing to go deep. And it's hard. It takes skills. I'm not saying that we're just going to rush into this. But it does mean that if if we're really going to live this value out, then it means being humble enough to admit when we've been wrong. It means being gracious enough to forgive when we've been hurt. And it means that we all have to be on the same page with this together. Because it means being vulnerable. It means opening up. It might mean digging up some old wounds and all that sort of stuff. This is not an easy thing that we're talking about. But it's something that Scripture really comes down, like, direct on, right? Now, this is not given outside of God's grace. But can I just encourage you, don't, don't dodge this by sort of saying, well, I don't hate them. We've just got some stuff that, you know, means that we never talk to each other. I don't hate them. It's just they wouldn't be the first person I'd save in a forest fire. Like, it's just, you know. <laughs> now, I can make light, but it probably doesn't take much for you. Like, you, you know. I don't need to say anything else. You already know. If there's something in your life and, and, and you know that this is an issue, that person's already in your mind. I don't know all your stories. I know enough to know that they're out there. But I know that if we're going to live this out truly that if we're going to proclaim to be a community that wants to grow together and, love and serve together and love the Lord together, then that means loving one another in such a way that we seek forgiveness and reconciliation and that we truly love each other, not just learn to live with each other. Now, that's, 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 that's kind of a heavy end to an inspirational start of the year vision service, right? Like, that's, that's not normally where you'd expect to go, but, but this is the thing. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about our cultural descriptors, and one of them is authenticity. It means being real. And that starts here at the center of what we do. Because we don't want to, to proclaim this thing, that this is the community that we're trying to be, and then just try and make it look like that's what it is, but that's not what it really is. We don't want to play nice Christians on a Sunday, but then not really live it out. If this is going to be who we are, if this is going to be the truth for us, then it means going deep and living it out from a place of faith and trust in the Lord and, and seeking to build this together so that we can honor God in the common service and so that we can grow together and be a place that produces more and more of what we want to see in people. So, our vision is to be an ever growing community of people who love the Lord and one another. This gives us clarity on what we want to be. And I hope that we've given a rich and thick description of that this morning so that you've got something to work towards in this.
I look forward to hearing you guys talk about it in growth group this week. I'm keen for your feedback. I'm keen for questions. This is something that we need to get into together. We've gone through a a long process to go here with the the board and church life and all that sort of stuff. This is what we've got, but I know it's going to take some digesting. And so I encourage you guys to talk about it well this week. And I'm going to pray now that this is indeed what the Lord would allow us to be. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now that we could be an ever-growing community who loves the Lord and each other. That, Father, we might give to you our common service. That we might work together to serve you in all the diversity of gifts that we have, in all the different functions that we serve, in all the different personalities that we have. May we give to you in this place a common service and may you bless us with growth. Lord, may you build your kingdom through us in this place. May you add to our number new people who don't yet know you. And may you help us to press on towards maturity, not remaining immature, just understanding the basics, but rather, Lord, learning what it is to live well in this world. And we pray, Father, we would love you well in this place, that we would believe and trust in you, And Lord, that we would love one another, sacrificially, generously, with a heart of forgiveness. And we pray, Father, as we do this, we would grow into your likeness more and more and give you the glory you so richly deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.